Take your seat for a moment, and uh, Kathy's going to come and join me. And uh, yeah, yeah, bring that, yeah. And um, we're going to share just a few things a little bit. We'll make our chat time a little bit longer this week. And um, we're going to talk about three M's not Mark, Mark, and Mark. Um, we're going to talk about marriage, ministry, and maturity. Yeah. And so, even if you're not married, it, it might be interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Can I just say something, Mark? I mean, that song that we've just sung is so powerful, isn't it? Yeah. And as soon as we sang that from the impossible, I had someone in my mind. And I don't know if you had someone or a situation in your mind that you thought, well, that's impossible. That will never happen. But I just felt like faith rising, that from that personal, that situation that seems impossible, believe for a miracle. Believe for a miracle. Because God... Yeah. Can do anything, can't you? Yeah, you know what? Like, we believe that we, uh, part of our ministry is to encourage faith. That ask you to believe. Can I hear an amen? Ish, amen. you know? Yeah, just believe. Like, just put it out there. Sometimes God will take you on a longer journey, but other times it's just, you're going to see a breakthrough. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you pray over that? Just. Let's just lift our hands and just, Kathy yeah. will pray over us and mm-hmm. just that impossible situation, Lord. Father, we do pray for all of those people. Thank you, Father. All of those situations where we do think, well, I can't believe anything for that, can't believe anything good would come of that. That, Father, you would intervene in those situations. Yes. Yeah. And that we would this week see miracles, Lord, that we would see progress, that we yeah. would see changes. As you move in them, Lord, we just raise our yeah. faith to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So maybe you've got that impossible situation. Why don't you just speak it to God under your breath right now and Mm. he hears. Amen. Well, Kathy, being married to me, what a fantastic life you've had. (laughs) I mean, it must have been been amazing. Certainly been exciting. It's been amazing for you. It's never been dull. I can say that much. Yeah. 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 Just must have been one of those (laughs) things that you think, thank the Lord this happened to me. Do you know, I do, actually. Yeah. I do. What's the best thing about being married to me? He humbly asked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think there's lots of good things, but I would say... into tears. For me, no, the best thing about being married to you is uh, that you are such a positive person. Uh, You are generally always upbeat, but it's not just a personality thing, it's that in all situations, whenever there are difficulties, you always believe that, well, we can sort this, we can do this, we can get through this. And that really encourages me. I I mean, I would hate to live with somebody who was a bit more morose, you know, but I I think that's one of the things I really love about you, this ability to kind of, whatever it is, to think, well, we'll face it and we'll work it through and it it will be good. And it generally is. Right. Yeah. Do you want to ask me a question? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you said we're going to get on a bit longer, so you can say as many good things about being married to me as you like. <laughs> it is important that you are encouraging to, you, to the people around you. Now, 
for those of you who are not married today, um, some of the things we're going to say about marriage you can take into your personal relationships. I just wonder whether you are encouraging person at work or whether you're the one who's always sees the more, more of the problem. Kathy mm-hmm. can sometimes see where the problems are, and I'm just really positive. And so sometimes she brings me down to earth and, uh, so that we can actually work on it, don't, don't you, Kathy? Yeah. But one of the great things about being married uh, to Kathy is, is that she is so consistent. Like, I... I know what I get every day, more or less, and that's a great thing. Do you, do you never be around folks and you don't know what mood they're in the next day? Or, do you know what I'm saying? Um, stop nudging each other, okay? Um, I really like the fact that Kathy's so consistent. And, and, and actually, she's a really hard worker. She does, you know, go at things and and work at things well. But that's one of the things I love about you, Cathy, that you're really consistent. Well, thank you. And um, I don't know... Uh, Is there anything about me that you find... We've, we've refused to use the word irritating, but that's basically what women... Is there anything about living with me that you find that challenging? might be challenging. <laughs> OK. Um, well, this is going out online. Cathy... Um, there are a couple of things. Cathy <laughs> <laughs> no, no. doesn't try hard enough with technology. Yeah. She just gives up and then hands me the phone. I have to work it out. You know, have you got one of those people in your family that say, oh, I can't work out that? So she just, you know, I have to work all that out. And I'm not that brilliant at it myself. And, and sometimes Cathy will make a moral thing out of making a bed in the sense that it has to be done a certain way. And I think you can make it any way you want, so long as it's made. Or one of the directions, you know, if there's one way to go to a supermarket, Cathy said, no, we go that way, and we only drive down that road. Even if there are several routes, Cathy has her ways of doing yeah, things, don't you, Cathy? Generally, because I'm very bad at directions, so if I've got one route, I, I tend to stick Just to it. Just do one thing. I tend to stick to it. Now, what Mark said about one way of making the bed... I would say, if you brought that attitude into church, which you don't, do you? Because everything in church has to be perfect, doesn't it? Yeah, true. I wish Mark was as tidy at home as he is at church, wanting everything in order. Did you want to say more about that, Cathal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people used to hate doing the chairs for Mark because he was so, so precise Oh, yeah. About you them. know what? The chairs here are really good. Yeah. I, I'm just like, yeah. about church, I think I'm really precise. And perhaps a you, bit more creative are, at yeah. home, do you think? <laughs> creative's a good word for it, yeah. Creative yeah. is a good word for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is there anything irritating about me, Cathy, um, at all? I'll just say, uh, well, I'll ask you a question, really. Okay. Just how loud does your music have to be first thing in the morning? <laughs> Jono. We live in a three-storey house, and I can hear it on the bottom floor, from the top floor, quite clearly. Doesn't the Bible say, this is the day the Lord has made, <laughs> rejoice in it and do well, you know? Yeah. Shall we leave it there? Does that irritate you sometimes? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It challenges me. I, I'm glad you said it in public, like, you know, that was great, anyway. Mm. Shall we move on? Yes. You, we've done the good things, the challenging things. Um, <laughs> I think... 
One of the things that we've built into our marriage is that we do support each other in what each other is doing. So that it's not, I mean, we'll talk about ministry, but it's not all been about my career as a minister, although we will say some things about ministry that we've seen couples struggle with uh, because um, they just don't get that kind of ministry can um, be a foundation piece in a way. But when Kathy was school teaching, I would really support her career as well. Uh, we, we kind of yeah. put mutual support yeah, in. Definitely. And that sounds ever so lame and patronising when you say it out loud, but we don't mean it that way. We meant that we were all in with each other's what we were both doing, weren't we? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, some people are kind of full-time in ministry together. Sometimes you have to have a, another job to support financially and so on. Uh, I think for us, though, that uh, ministry was always at our core, wasn't it? It was always something yeah. that we really wanted to do. Um, but we have, an, and when our girls were little, and I really wanted to be at home, uh, even though money was a stretch, I think you supported in that, that yeah. and made it possible for, for me to do that. And we've always kind of, I think, respected each other's role and, and well we've only got one calling but you know uh, calling in that sense um, and never made it a bit of a competition or who earns the most money gets the most say or that kind of yeah. thing yeah. it wasn't one thing is more important than another yeah we've seen that in marriages that mm. actually they can run parallel lines and in a sense they can become without knowing it you can it can become competitive and actually what God's trying to do is uh, like a, he's trying to plait your life together so it becomes, I think the Americans call it a braid, don't mm. they? Like it's like mm. a rope being plait yeah. together yeah. as opposed to two train tracks going in the same direction. Yeah. You know, so I think you have to find crossovers in marriage where one supports one in what one's doing and the other finds support in that and, and kind of weave it together, mm. if you know what I mean. I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we try to yeah. do, isn't it? Yeah. We try to do that. And another thing that we've tried to build into our marriage is, and everybody says this, but it's difficult to do, is to be honest and open. Mm. We can say it in a negative way. We don't keep secrets at all from each other. No. Uh, well, I mean, Birthdays I don't... Birthdays and Christmas, well, maybe, uh, you know. Surprises. If somebody tells me something in church that's yeah. confidential, Kathy doesn't get to hear everything. No. You, you know, let's make that clear. Mm. Um, and some things about church we don't say because it's not appropriate to say. Mm. Uh, but between ourselves, we just, we just are honest and open. Yes. We're honest yeah. about our feelings. Yeah. And open about how we're feeling, aren't we? Yeah. And I think that's something that perhaps takes time. Uh, to be uh, okay, to be confident enough to really share your feelings, your deepest feelings. Um, but it is a great thing when you can achieve that, yeah. isn't it, really? And, and sort of, I think one of the things in marriage is, or, or any kind of relationship, friendship, I think, is not to assume people know how you feel because you feel that way. You know, people aren't mind readers. They're not mind readers, and sometimes you have to say, well, I didn't like this, or this is how I feel about this, and not just assume that, yeah. that each other would, would necessarily get that, but just to say. Men aren't mind readers. You, I, no. Women, what I'd say to you is just tell them. Yeah. Because they're a bit thick, really, yeah. you know, to be honest. <laughs> I would just say, 
Say what you say what you need to say. Don't mm. you think, Kathy? Yeah, I, I think it's about being being clear, being vulnerable, uh, but also just just making it known and not assuming that people will your husband or your wife or, or your friends will will pick up on it because in all probability they won't. You know. Kathy, say some of the things about. I went through this big experience about coming to KT. Yeah. Had all this waking up at night and visions and stuff. Mm. Tell us some of your the way some of your honest thoughts that, that you had to speak to me about about some of your fears about not seeing the kids or what have you or me being consumed with it. Yeah, I think um, obviously, as you know, things have all happened at once for us, and um, so in, in some ways, moving here has been good because we're closer to one of our daughters. And in another way, it's taken us further away from the one who has just had the twins. And I think because that has been uh, such a long journey for them, it wasn't an easy road. The thought of moving further away just when they kind of uh, need a bit more support, really, uh, was a bit of a concern. And, um, and, and I know what Mark's like in ministry. He gets straight in, straight involved you know, it's, it's 100 miles an hour right from the word go. And so I was a little bit concerned that um, I was just going to kind of be swept up in that. But we, we sort of talked about it, didn't we? And, and um, you, you, you've been encouraging to say, take the time yeah. to go and uh, be with Leah and the twins and, and their other little boy. And, you know, be here Sunday, be here for the cell. But, you know, just take the time for as long as they need it to, to be with them. And I felt... I felt really good about that, actually, yeah. yeah. I think when you get older, you realise that God's got it. Mm. You know, you don't have to strive as much. Mm. So, you, you, you know, perhaps your family doesn't need to suffer as much as you think. Yeah. God's, God's got things. Mm. You see, we kind of respect each other's values. Like, Kathy does respect the fact that I'm really sold out for ministry and want to do that really well. Yeah. My, my thing about this country is, is that, you know, churches are so, are so boring and cold, and if you, ask, if you ask out there in the culture, what's church like? People will just go, why'd you do that? Because it's really cold and boring. Mm. And so I, I really want to make church excellent, and not always the same, so you will find under our ministry that we'll do different, like chatting on a Sunday afternoon. Mm. It isn't all the same because we believe it should be... I want to get to the point, not that you don't know what's going to go on, you know, and so it's upsetting, but that, so it is fresh mm. and, that it, and that it is engaging and it can be thoughtful uh, rather than just, you know, sing a few songs, say a few things. You know, we do want church to be well. But in the same time, that's one of my values. Kathy really respects that and knows that that's a big value to me. And at the same time, not that I don't like my family, but Kathy, one of Kathy's deep values is family. Mm. You know, that's where she finds a lot of fulfillment and identity. Yeah. So, and we want you to know that we respect your families, that, that your family is really important to you. Because we know it is to us. Yes, yeah. You I know. feel like I'm very much that family is a ministry. It is a calling, you know, and um, it always has been. Yeah. For, for, yeah. For and me, we understand that some people have to work as well. So, oh, yeah. you know, we're not doing a little house on the prairie moment here where, 
you know, every, you know, little woman stays at home and, you know, all of that stuff. We're not saying that. We're just saying if you have to work and you've got a family, we understand that that's important to you. And so we're not going to run you ragged in church or make you feel guilty if you make some family choices. Yeah. 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 We've kind of moved into ministry a bit now, yeah, haven't we? Yeah, I guess so? we have, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. So we, I, one of the things, though, about our marriage is we've, and you said this, we, sti- we stick close in the hard yeah. times. Yeah. Say, say that, what yeah. you were thinking. Um, I think with marriage, um, I see a lot of couples who kind of pull apart or separate or even divorce because of something that they just can't seem to get over. And although I wouldn't say stay in a marriage at all costs, you know, I think there are a lot of things, and we've experienced a lot of things where it's been difficult, and I'd say particularly for us was when our daughters were teenagers and kind of pushing the boundaries all the time. And perhaps we had different ways of thinking that we ought to be dealing with it. Um, And that causes a lot of tension, actually, and, and, and some arguments. But if you can stay together and work through those things or whatever those things are for you rather than pulling apart from each other. I think you'll have a much stronger marriage uh, afterwards. And, uh, and that's what we try to do, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Work through the issues together. Yeah we, yeah, we don't want to be stereotypical about teenagers. We, love, we loved every stage of our children. Yeah. We had a great time. Mm. Um, but teenagers are challenging. They, they can be, you know. Um, you know, the blessing of being a grandparent is, is you've, you've made it through the teenage years, almost. But we don't want to do young people down in any way, so don't read into that. But when the boundaries are being pushed, you have to stay together. Yeah, I think that was probably our biggest challenge in, in family life. Yeah. Uh, you know, not in ministry, but in family life, that was a big challenge yeah. that... You know, sometimes you feel like going and sitting in different rooms or (laughs) not speaking to each other. But, you know, you've got to kind of work through those those things together, haven't you? Yeah, so if our girls are watching right now, you just don't know what you put us through. (laughs) (laughs) We don't mean that. We had a great time. Thinking about, uh, it's a little stuff about marriage, and you can ask us anything you want to, but thinking about ministry, one of the things that we think about having a ministry, not just a ministry... As, as ministers, but your ministry, that actually what you've got to try and do about ministry is both commit to it, even if it's one person's ministry, that it's the main, that, that, that there's one person doing the ministry, but you're both committed to it. Now, we both are, are doing church ministry, yeah. But but yeah. Kathy isn't perhaps a preacher, no. but she's committed to the church ministry. Mm. Um, I don't know whether I'm saying it right, Kathy. Um, no, I mean I think you're right in that I, I very much think um, in in our marriage that you know Mark is the minister, he's the ordained minister, he's the pastor, and I'm Mark's wife, and and um, we'll say a little bit perhaps about supporting role in a minute. But that doesn't mean that um, I just leave him to it. There's things in church that I like, things in church that terrify me. If you ask me to preach, uh, that would terrify me. I'm much better at chatting, just like this, really, or teaching in small groups. And I love doing things with women because I I just really enjoy the company of women. I think when women get together, there's just something really good about that. Um, But it's different. We 
you know, we're not the same. We're not clones, are we? No. But, um, yeah. It's, it's, what we're trying to communicate is, is if you have a ministry in your marriage, both have to buy into that ministry, even if the other person isn't the lead person. Because then it becomes a drain. It becomes a competition. It becomes something that is always going to be a drag on you and your marriage. So try and commit to the other person's ministry. For instance, Kathy says she loves women's ministry. I'm committed to women's ministry, even if Kathy leads it. Do you see what I'm saying? We see so many couples where, well, that's your ministry, but you've got to commit to each other's ministry. And we've committed to the ministry. I don't know whether you want to tell them the Joseph story, but with the caveats that we don't think women's role is just to be the support, we, it depends what your ministry is. Yeah, I mean, I think um, we probably are a more what might be considered traditional uh, couple. Um, and, and one of my pet hates over the last, I don't know how many years, few years, is this kind of thing that came into church where you have to have your one thing, you know, that you are called to. What's your one thing that you are passionate about? And, and why haven't you got that one? And I was always thinking, well, what is my one thing, you know? What my unique thing that I need to do in ministry that God's given to me? Now, just to say, you can have your yeah, unique you can. one thing, that's you, you can. Um, but, um, and then I sort of thought to myself, you know, what, what, what am I passionate about? What am I committed to, really? And, and I thought to myself, well, actually, I'm committed to Mark and to Mark's ministry. And, um, and I think the supporting role is very much done down, I think. It's very much seen as second rate. And, and I want to, to bring it back again and say, actually, the supporting role is a great role. Uh, it's not kind of that person who's silent, hardly seen in the background. If you think about um, the, the nativity story of Mary and Joseph, and I suppose Joseph would be seen as the supporting role, really, wouldn't he, to get Mary to where she needs to be. Um, but actually, he was very active in that because God spoke to him, spoke to him through dreams. And, and then there were times when he took the lead and he led the family to the places where they were supposed to go. Um, so I just want to say, big up supporting ministry. If that's what you feel, that I'm, you know, let's <laughs> start a support group together, couldn't we? Yeah, support uh, but the yeah, support. I mean, and I've forgotten where we started with this question now, so I might just end up rambling. Yeah. But um, I think that's one of the things I feel um, that I feel like I have a supportive ministry, but I don't want that to be like done down. If you know what I mean? Yeah, that being an armor bearer being a support, being somebody who supports others, that's not a second-class thing. No, it's not too, at all. Too many people have to be in the limelight. And now you could say, oh, that's okay for you because you sit on platforms and talk and so on. But I support some of my leaders and make sure that their lives are and their ministries are enriched and protected. And... Um, you can chat to some of my leaders and uh, actually they would say, well, Mark's one of these people that really does give me energy and strength. So uh, what I think what we try and say about ministry is don't let anybody do your ministry down. 
whatever it is. And if it is a platform ministry, great, do it with all your heart. If it is leading something, great, do it with all your heart. But don't let somebody do your ministry down. And we've become very comfortable in our... Yeah, uh, yeah, we have. In, in the way and and that's not to say that everybody should be like that, because I appreciate that some ministry couples are different, and that's just how it is for us, really. Yeah. I see, I think what happens in ministry is, is it's like a diamond, okay, just like that. At the start, God says, preach or sing. And then as you, as you go in ministry, you try lots of things out. And you think, oh, I can do this, this, and this. And then God focuses you again and says, now I've taken you on that journey. Here are one or two things that I really want you to focus on. And I think that's what happens in ministry. It's usually very specific, then goes general, and then it narrows down again to something. And if you're at the starting stage where you say, God's called me to preach, I wish preaching was the only thing you did as a minister, but wow, it's not. But you might be in that middle stage where God's using you or you're trying lots of things. I've taught every age of Sunday school in my development as a minister. <laughs> Do we say Sunday school anymore? Children's ministry. Children's ministry, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, I've done lots of different things. In fact, I even led a tea dance for old age pensioners one time, but I broke some of them, so we don't want to talk about that incident. Um, so, but then God narrows you down again, and that's important. So if you're struggling to find your ministry, try some things out, and the things that make you really give you energy, that's probably where you should move towards or the things that you just think, if I don't do that, who's going to do it? Even if, you're, if it doesn't give you energy, but it just burdens your life, then move towards those things. But we believe everybody should be in ministry. There are other churches that preach everybody's a leader. Well, we think everybody can take responsibility. Everybody should be in ministry. So... If you're like the football crowd, remember that I was saying that um, at a football match, there are 22 players who are exhausted and 60,000 who are watching and need, a, need to probably get more exercise. Why don't you become one of the people on the pitch and, uh, you know, invest in some ministry? And ministry hasn't always been easy for us, has it, Cathy? No, it hasn't. Uh, and I think we said the other week about... Um, Seeing us now, you might think this is how we've always been, you know, in a large church. But no, it hasn't always been easy at all. I think you said we had some spectacular failures. Yeah, we have. Um, and we have tried a lot. We've always wanted to be in ministry, so we've always taken every opportunity that we could. Yeah. But obviously, we weren't always suited to everything. And we've been here, there, and everywhere, tried pretty much everything that there is. Um, and... and it was through those experiences, I think. I think you learn sometimes a lot more from the things that go wrong than you do from the things that go right. You know, the, the things where you fail and you think, oh, well, what, 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 what was that? Was that not of God? You know, did we just mishear God? But 
you learn so much from that, from those mistakes, not mistakes, but the things that go wrong, that challenge you and make you go back to God and think about things again. That I think to think that it's a, an easy, smooth ride from A to B, it's, it's not it's how not it is, really. It, we need those knocks and bumps to rub the hard edges off us and, yeah. and make us ready to be whatever God is that God wants us to be. And that's not to say that along those difficult, um, the difficult parts of the journey, you're not still impacting people, you know, because you probably are, and God's refining you, you know, burning those bits off that he doesn't want that aren't yeah. going to be helpful. So don't... don't um, if you, if you mess up on something, you, you know, don't kick yourself about it. Just think, well, what have I learned? Yeah. And you'll probably find you've actually learned quite a lot than those things that you find easy, you know, and, and you just skate through. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's probably one of our strengths, that we just, we don't, we don't give up. No. Like we've, and you might be in a place where, uh, you know, it's, been, it's hard going for you. And uh, what we would say to you is don't give up, get some help. Mm. Our, our, in our generation, you didn't really have any mentors or people to help you. But what we would say is get some help and, and open up and get some friends, get some ministry mates, get some people around you who can encourage you. Get some, mm -hmm. you know, I talk about the three relationships, you know, get somebody in your life you can look up to, who can inspire you, get somebody you can travel with, get somebody you're helping, and um, God will begin to use you. I think we have come to a kind of peace about who we are in, in ministry, in the sense that we're not trying to be other people. Now, that's hard, mm. isn't it, Kathy? I mean, for instance, your ministry is basically like teaching in small groups yeah. and generally serving. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I have to admit, um, for a long time, and still even now occasionally, uh, like if we're talking to other ministers and their wives, and if one of the wives says, oh, oh, I do this, you know, and I would immediately think, oh, should I be doing that? I should be doing that as well. Why aren't I doing that? Um, and it's taken me a long time to, you know, to let that go. But it still gets me every now and again, you know, thinking, oh, should I be doing that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, so I do, I mean, I do like... Um, I do like small group work. Uh, I do like that, yeah. Yeah. Very much. And, 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 I, and I like this kind of... I like the, perhaps the more informal setting, you know, um, suits me. So we're just yeah. basically sharing with you today that find your place. Find what you are good at. Find what resonates with people around you. And then go at that. Don't try and be someone else. And if you're married to somebody, don't try and make them like the person you think they ought to be. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like, I've never forced Kathy to be a woman preacher, um, and she doesn't want me to be all somber and holy and sad about being a minister and, no. and all of that. No. She just wants me to be who I am. My ministry is more teaching and strategy and helping other ministers and, and helping sort out complex things. That's more where I'm at. And I'm sorry if that sounds up myself a bit, but that God seems to gift me a way of working out very in, uh, complicated problems. So if you've got a complicated problem, 
book 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 <laughs> me in with Kathy. She'll uh, she'll mm. she'll probably have more of it. Maturity, Kath. Yeah. How would how would you do? What's the definition of maturity? Ooh. Oh, I hadn't really thought about this, yeah. really. I, I think it's um, kind of, oh, acting in a way that is suitable to the level of development that you are at. Oh, come on, that's you know, great. Um, it's not necessarily an age thing, um, but that you think and act in a way that matches your level of experience. That's right. Yeah. I mean, maturity is being the best you are at the time you are. Yeah. Okay? Mm. Uh, there's no, no point in saying, well, I'm only 20, I can't be mature. You can be a mature 20-year-old. Mm. You can be mature for that, for that experience, can't you? So one of the things that we have learned about how to be mature is we learn the lessons that God places in front of us, don't we, Cathy? Yeah. We, uh, we don't want, it's hard doing these interviews in a way because it makes us sound really saintly as if we, <laughs> oh, this is a lesson from God. You know and I know mm -hmm. that sometimes you think, oh, I didn't realise that was a lesson till God till after it's gone past. Mm -hmm. But learning the lessons that come your way and just be open about uh, some of the, the difficulties, learn your lessons one of the things is don't be hard-hearted, don't be obstinate. We, mm. we have said, oh, we got that wrong. Yeah. And we've, we've, that's one of been a major factor to our uh, supposed maturity, hasn't it, Kathy? We, we try and learn what comes our way. Yeah, yeah. Them. And I think uh, along the same lines as that, it's being open to um, like constructive criticism um, that sometimes if people want to to share with you uh, maybe how you could have done something better, not kind of drawing yourself in or becoming all defensive, but being open uh, to people who actually really want to help you and thinking, well, I don't know it all. You know, we, we can be a bit of a know-it-all, can't we, sometimes, but we're not a know-it-all, and we have got lessons to learn from other people, um, and being open to those. Yeah, and of course, it's important the way you share criticisms with people. Mm. I mean. If you walk up to somebody and say, Oi, fool, you could have done this, they're not going to receive that. No. But given the right way of sharing, receive some things. I wonder if you're the sort of person that if somebody happens to say, Hey, perhaps you might have done this another way, and I'm only saying this because I care about you, do you close up and go like a turtle? You put your head in your shell. We, we have found, okay, say it, and we'll listen. Now, you know, obviously, everybody has an opinion, and you might negotiate that a bit, but we have tried our best to take on board what people say. Don't we think, Kathy? Yeah, definitely. And that's that's definitely. one of our things. And yeah. we, we have... Um, we've we've learned to do, like I said a few minutes ago, to do who we are and to try and be good at what we are good at, and not try and do everything. So, for instance, in my last church, I talked about my, I talked about my friend who died, David, in Derby. And David was really good at, like, he'd be able to turn the sound on, the sound equipment on in his church and sort out all the audio visuals. He said to me one day, said, uh, do you turn the sound on? I said, I don't even know where the button is. And in this church, I probably will never be able to turn the sound equipment on. 
And because I would probably break it. You know, I'm really good at breaking things. It's a gift. It's like a spiritual gift, you know. Um, so one of the things that's really important is what makes you sad, what makes you mad, what makes you glad. If you can figure out what makes you sad, that shouldn't happen. What makes you mad, I don't agree with that. And what makes you gives you joy, you'll probably find where your gift is in those three things. Mm. So we try and not do everything in church. So please, we're more the type of ministers that like to equip and release. And it's not that we're lazy. We'll do our thing. Really, we'll be diligent about our thing. But I wonder if you could learn that lesson that God didn't call you to do everything, even in the home or even at work. We all spin plates at times, but plates aren't meant to be spun. They're meant to eat off. Mm. Spinning plates is a novelty for a little season. I wonder what you're supposed to do. Mm. Don't you think, Kath? Yeah, yeah. Anything else you want to say on that? Um, well, sort of alongside that, I think one of the kind of the best life lessons that I've learned, and I, I think this is a maturity lesson, and I hope that, you know, some of you might learn it a bit sooner than I did, is I feel I've, I've spent uh, a lot of my life wishing that I was a different kind of personality, had a different kind of personality than the one that I had, because I'm really quite quiet, and I always used to think when, you know, we were in groups, oh, I wish I was a bit more life and soul of the party, you know. I, I wish I was the kind of person who could make everybody laugh, you know, or, or a bit more vivacious, a bit more outward going. And I spent a lot of my time wishing that I had that different personality. But then um, when I was teaching, uh, when we were in uh, Letchworth, I, I taught in a high school in Luton. And it had the typical mix of, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, in the school. And I seemed to get a lot of the classes with the disruptive children in. And um, one, at one time, one of the... Uh, you married one of those children. Well, I, I did. This is true. Um, but that's probably another story. It's a sermon all by itself, really, that is. Um, one of the classroom assistants said to me, Oh, Cathy, we love coming into your class. And I said, Do you really? And she said, yeah, she said uh, two reasons. One, you've always got tissues. Uh, and the other one is that you're so calm. And it has a really positive influence on these, you know, slightly more challenged children. So we always love coming into your classroom. And it struck me then that actually my personality will have, as yours will, a lot of good impact on people. You might be the vivacious person and that has a good impact. You may be the quiet, more calm person, but that actually has a positive impact on other people. And a, and a lot of people will really like that. And so what I would say is, if you can learn early on just to be who you are and not envy other people or wish you were somehow different, um, I think God will really use that and you'll, you'll be much happier just being yourself than trying to be anybody else. So here's the sermon bit, okay? I wasn't checking my phone on Facebook, by the way. 
I'd left my iPad down there. So I just got it. Here's the sermon bit. It's all right. Don't need it. Paul says this in Romans chapter 12. And this is what we want to leave with you. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Can I just break that down just for a few moments? The Bible says there's been grace given to all of us. That all of your personalities, all of our lives, every part of you, there's, there's some grace on it. In fact, in the book of James, even though we're fallen, James says that we're still in the likeness of God. And so even though that people who are perhaps not Christians yet do awful things, and there is the word depravity talked about, actually, yet even people who are way, way away from God still yet have a sense of the likeness of God on them. And that's how God can reach them and save them and touch them. And, and that's how we can love them. But, but if you, if you are a Christian today, understand this, that your life is laced with grace. Can we say it that way? That, that actually with all your failings and flaws, it's not magic, but God is putting his grace in amongst your life. So Paul said, for by the grace given to me, I say to each one of you, don't think yourself more highly than you ought to. You know, don't, don't think you can do everything. And that's not a put down. It's actually a healing word to those people who are striving and feel like they have a taskmaster in their head saying, you must do better, you must do better. Actually, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Don't strive. And of course, it, it is the, also the lesson of perhaps some of us need to have a little bit more of a humble view of what we're about. But then Paul goes on and says, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Now in the Greek, it's not being drunk. Not being drunk on self-pity, not being drunk on emotion, not being drunk by person's opinion, but actually not thinking yourself too low. Sober up from that person who has filled your life with their drunken opinion of you, with their sense of, you need to be more like this, you need to be more like that. Why can't you be like your older brother, which was often said to me when I was growing up. Why can't you be a bit more like this? And we all have had that. But actually, the Bible says, think of yourself with sober judgment. Now, it means somebody who is not being intoxicated by someone or something else. I wonder what's intoxicating your life. I wonder what the false stimulus is. What's the beer? What's the wine? What's the spirits? What's the opinions or what's the outside influence that's saying, you're, that's influencing your opinion about you? The Bible actually says, sober up and see yourself 
with sober judgment, how? See yourself in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. See yourself in accordance to a measure of faith. Now, we said when we started our little chat, and forgive us if we bored you today and you've been in our living room thinking, oh, when's this over? But we have come along to Kensington Temple to encourage you in your faith. Because God has given you not only grace, but he's given you a measure of faith. Actually, God has given you the ability to believe. Some people feel like they believe more than others. And as we read the Bible, and actually one of our maturity things is we do read the Bible and pray. And I know every sermon's supposed to finish with that. But we actually do do that regularly because we know we need that. And I know that's what every Christian does, but we actually do it, don't we? We do. But as well as growing your faith through the word, can I just say this to you? Every single person, will you hear me? And if you're watching online, hear me me now. You have faith. God has given you some faith. In fact, Jesus said it only has to be a mustard seed. It's not the amount of faith. It's where you place it that's the important thing. Do you hear that? It's not the amount of faith. It's the object of your faith. You can have a lot of faith in a rickety bridge that's going to fall apart if you step on it. It doesn't matter how much faith you have. If the object of your faith is not trustworthy, then faith doesn't make any difference. If you believe in somebody who is always going to let you down, your faith is misplaced. But we have an object of faith that is absolutely secure, Jesus Christ and his love for us. So he's given you a measure of faith. So start thinking of yourself the way that Jesus thinks of you. Start believing that he can do things for you And you will do more than you even think. Our whole thing here of coming here is God's going to do more than all of us think. We believe that. And we're not going to make big faith pronouncements, this, that, and the other. We're just going to try and be obedient. But we believe, and I wonder if you could say this over your life now, it's more than you think. Doesn't the book of Ephesians say, And now unto God, who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. What can you imagine? I can imagine a lot. So let me read you that passage of scripture again. It's in uh, Romans chapter 12. And it is verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to you, Every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but think of yourself with sober judgment. Stop that external intoxication of either opinion, experience, or bad things that have happened in the past, but rather with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. 
He's given you faith. Even if it's just small, begin to use it. It's where you place it that's the important thing. every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Come on, lift your voice, Jesus Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one we could ever see. Worthy of every breath we could ever We live for you. Hearts abandoned to your name, we adore you, Jesus. Oh. 